Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. I'm delighted to be able to say, after all these years of doing Word in Your Ear, Word in Your Attic, finally, we're doing Word in Your Record Shop. Excellent. This is just brilliant to be to be joined, well, or to join Phil Jump from the legendary Badlands Records in Cheltenham in Gloucestershire, who's, who's gone out of his way to open his shop on Sunday morning just to be with us today. Although, the, you know, no customers will be admitted during this broadcast. We that That's pretty much... Uh, that's pretty but we expect to be banging on the door because yeah. we can see him yeah. in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rock and roll <laughs> Cheltenham, isn't it, really? Nine o'clock on a Sunday morning. Yes, that's absolutely. True. That is true, yeah. actually. You should be safe. Well, look, it's lovely to see you. How long have you had the shop? God, um... I've been in this location since 1988, and prior to that, we were a couple of years in the centre of Cheltenham in a, in, a, in a kind of market square. I, I started with, with my brother Stephen in 80, late 85. Right. Okay, well, we're going to go through all that. So what we traditionally do is uh, we ask our guests if they can remember the, the music-playing machinery that was in their home when they were a child. Can you? I am absolutely yeah. I was um, I was really into music at a very very young age. My my dad was into into his hi fi, and I remember in our lounge we had a we had a we had a radiogram, you know, an all in one piece of furniture. But it was very sick. I'd like to get one actually. Um, it was very sixties and square and G plan and very cool looking thing. But I was so into music. Um, that for my fifth birthday, they bought me, my parents bought me a second-hand little, you know... Oh, really? Uh, a toy record thing. player? Not a toy. Oh, wonderful. And, and, and years later, I tracked one down. Oh, what? Oh, fantastic. On, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you can see it. How can we get to this? Yeah. Can you lift it up to the surface? Yeah. Oh, look at oh, that. Oh, that's gorgeous. Oh, fantastic. So I got the replica. So it's a portable. Oh, it's a little yeah. suitcase. Isn't that lovely? It's a suitcase, yeah. It's, it's... Can you remember what you played on it? Yeah, I can. Um, 
I had, I, I can, one of my earliest memories is of my parents going out and buying, uh, being with them and going out and buying Penny Lane, Strawberry Fields. Oh, wow. Oh, age four, which is, it's one of the earliest things I can remember. So, yeah, we had a few, and we had Hard Day's Night and we had Help. And then mainly my parents was, it was more older stuff. Big right. Band stuff. They were of that era, Sinatra. Yeah, right. So, uh, I used to play that. I, and for some reason, we had the Steptoe theme. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. The I theme. The, the theme. That's like... single. And uh, uh, thank you very much by The Scaffold. Oh, right. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I, so, you know, when I get asked this question, what's, your, what's the first record you bought? Penny Lane is quite a cool answer. It is a very that cool really answer. really is, especially if you're, if you're only four, four or five. Or whatever. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, amazing. Incredible. Can you remember the first album you bought? I can, and I still have it, which is which is which, which I'm really pleased about. Yeah, we actually we'll, we'll get onto it. But I started Badlands by selling my record collection. Oh really? Oh, um, go on. So, yeah, go on. I, I, so so I do have my first album, and I have my copy, which I never sold. Let me see if I can find it. Oh, I had it yesterday. Maybe I've lost it after. <laughs> Here it is. Oh right, well oh, there nice. you go. Um, I didn't, I didn't buy it in. It's really battered, actually. Sellotape at the top. I didn't buy it in in '69. I, 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 I start. I bought bought that in 1972. I reckon. Right, right. And '99. So where were you living as a child? Um, as a as a child, well, we we grew up in I grew up in Cheltenham. Um, right. My my parents were up north. My my they they they're from two great rock and roll cities. My dad's from Liverpool. My mum's from Manchester. Right. Perfect. I'm, I'm very proud. Well, of a certain amount of rivalry, I'm sure. A bit of yeah. How did that work? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um. But uh, yeah. But I they moved here when I was two. So yeah, grew up in Cheltenham. And so, where would you go and buy records when you were a child in Cheltenham? Um. There was a huge, uh, well, there was a lot of options. WH Smiths. Yes. There was there was a kind of independent WH Smiths in Cheltenham called Predies, um, like a oh, station, right. mainly a stationery shop, and that was yes. where I would. That's where I remember buying Penny Lane, and then a few years later, when I when I was a bit older and had pocket money and was going out to choose my own records. That's where I buy my records previous. And I have a huge, um, this would be like 71, 72. And they had a huge section of seven-inch singles. You could still flip through the yes. seven-inch singles and yeah. Beatles singles. And that's that was my thing, really, Beatles. So were you obsessed with going into record shops from an early age? Were you one of those people who couldn't go past a record shop without going in? Pretty much, yeah, yeah, very much so. And I, I just loved music, you know. I just, it was, it was, there was, that was it. New records, yeah, yeah. But also, that was where all the information was, wasn't it? I mean, you had to yes. go in and just, you didn't know what was available, and no. just hours of reading record sleeve record, you know, sleeve notes. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Fantastic times. And I, I used to, I mean, I was a kid, so I used to buy things in the bargain bin. They had great bargain bins in those days because stuff, if stuff didn't go to the chart, it was. Yes, straight, you know, it's really yeah, yeah. Away, so I got some weird and wonderful stuff like that. Definitely. Right. So, uh, can you remember the first gig? I can. Yeah, um, I went to see uh, 
my my brother, I, I started Badlands with my brother Stephen, who I think you guys might have yeah, met. Yeah, yeah. He sadly yeah. died, uh, gosh, nine years ago now. But um, yeah. Yeah. I started with Stephen, who was six years older than me. So he took me to my first gig, which was which is a, uh, XTC at Chapman Town Hall. Oh, right. Well, that's Fantastic. quite local, isn't it? You're Very really... local, yeah. And uh, Roughly when would that have been then? Uh, early 78. Right. Oh, right. what a great time to see them. Yeah, so I was about 15 then, yes. Uh, yes. Yes. So I Radios went, in motion, Statue of Liberty, yes. Kind of, yes, that's right, science fiction. Wonderful. My fingers, yeah, really good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it was non... I, and from then, it was just non-stop. I mean, I, I already had, at the stage I went there, I already had t- tickets for David Bowie that year at Earl's Court. So I was a huge Bowie Bowie. Right. that you know, early 70s. So Cheltenham Town Hall was very much on the circuit, was it? Yeah, I think it was. It, it, on and off. Um, b- before, before my... T- I mean, I was, I was into music. I just wasn't allowed to go to the gigs that my brother was going. I, I always wanted to go. Um, in fact, I had, I, I had tickets, or I had persuaded my father to take me to see the Beach Boys in 1976 at Cardiff Castle, but it got cancelled. So oh, really? that would have been another cool first gig. That would have been good. Yeah. So, uh, but yes. Well, there would have been no much. Brian. Was Brian there in 76? Don't, don't think he was, was he? he was. I well, that, know, I, I mean, yeah. no one was there for, for this gig because it didn't happen. I don't know. No. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Cheltenham was very much on the circuit. They had, you know, Queen played here, Thin Lizzy played here, um, Mock the Hoople. Lots of stuff. So I'd be watching them on top of the pops, wanting to go and see them. Yeah. Brother would be getting to go and see them. It was quite frustrating for me. So was he the one that started the shop? Not really. I mean, we we, we started it together in 85. And it was was probably me who started it more so. I... It was... was, There was no plan. It wasn't like, let's let's start a record shop. It was... um, I'd given up work. I went to work in an insurance office, quite quite a boring job, really, <laughs> uh, after school. And I did a, two or three years of that, and I thought, no, this is enough. And I went to America for a few weeks um, with no plan, travelled around, visited some friends, came back with not much to do. And I thought, I know, I'll, I saw um, an advert for you could get a stall on Evesham Market. Evesham's about half-hour drive from Cheltenham. You could get a stall on the market for £3.50 a day. So I'll, go and, I'll go and sell some of my records. Oh, really? So See, just literally your records? £3. So, uh, yeah, and, 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 and I told, you know, got Stephen involved because he, he, he had plenty of records as well, being that much older. So we just went. And I, 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 I'd i been an avid music and we both had been avid music fans, but not collectors, you know, not in terms of the value. So I was stunned when all my... I used to listen to John Peel, as, as we all did, and so I, I had loads of Cure, early Cure records, early Fall, seven-inch singles, all that kind of stuff, which people just pounced on and, you know... Bought so you were saying away. that you... You made the money to start the record shop, in fact, from selling your records in this from in this store collection. Yeah, incredible. Absolutely. So the thought was always, well, I can replace these because at that time in eighty five, eight. So it, it, it kind of grew quickly because it was just it was fun. You know, we just started yeah. going out buying buying other record collections, going to uh, charity shops. In fact, 
I, was I went to a charity shop to buy some records yesterday. I'm still doing the same thing all these years later. But um, it, 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 it snowballed pretty quickly, but there was no plan. It was just, you know, let's... But the what was the Springsteen connection then? I mean, you, you, that was just a particular favourite for the two of you? Yeah, um, th th that's, that's a good question. It's um, We didn't have a name for the business. For, for, you know, we were just on a market, on a stall at a market. And then this opportunity... Um, this opportunity came up in Cheltenham for an indoor... They built a new shopping centre. And upstairs, above what was British Home Stores, British Home... BHS had obviously left uh, or didn't want to take the third floor. So they quickly yeah. knocked it into small units and, and right. called it the market square. And it was it was only 40 quid, 40 pounds a week to have a, a little stall there. So we, we risked it and, and went for that. So we got a name. So uh, it was just something we agreed on, right? The name. We, we, we thought of all sorts of songs. So you weren't specialising in Springsteen particularly. That was just the Not name really. of the shop. We were huge. Yeah. It, we were huge fans. It was something that we both shared because there was a lot. You know, there was a lot of. We were a bit like Liam and Noel, me and my brother. I mean, I, I do miss the arguments, you know, and the the fighting you can have with your brother, and then you can hug and make up. Um, <laughs> that's what I really miss. But he, you know, he was into the Stones. I was into the Beatles. He supported Man United. I supported Man City. So you know. Endless opportunity for conflict. Yeah. <laughs> Endless. Uh, but, but, but Bruce was something that was really close to, to, to both of us, and we'd been to see him together in 81 when he first... Well, no, the first tour. I know, I know he yeah. played Hammersmith over yeah. in 75, but I, I was definitely too young. Um, but, yes, and in 85, he'd done... Well, thanks to... I remember your uh, documentary, David, which... <laughs> It was saying, he owes everything to me. He does. Yeah. It, it, it really re kick-started it again, though, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. It really did. It was part of that, that Born in the USA mania. So we'd been to see him three times at Wembley. So we were it was a big period of listening to Bruce a lot because he just kind of conquered the world, hadn't he? So Yeah, well, he was particularly huge, wasn't he, around 85, 86? Yeah. I mean, really, really big records, and he kind of cracked MTV to some extent, a whole, a whole new audience, really. Yeah, so that was Hit our... singles, that, indeed. Yeah, that was our big thing at that time. So, And it's it, it just seemed like a cool name. But we had other things on the list. I, I, we were both really into The Clash as well. So, we, you know, we could have called it, you know, Clampdown Records or... Right, yeah. yeah. Sandinista. Yeah. Yeah. I love Sandinista, actually, but I might not still be here now if I'd called it Sandinista. No, absolutely. Yeah. That's, absolutely, that's a good point. You were very fortunate beneficiaries of, of the British Springsteen really, success. Yeah, it was really lucky. Um, I mean, obviously, we were Bruce fans, and at that time we bought a big Bruce collection um, of someone who's become a good friend of mine. So, So... We, we, and we used to list things in the back of Record Collector. And oh, so, you know, they'd get the next. So the name attracted Bruce fans to us, so it just sort of snowballed from there. And this is before the internet, isn't it? This is pre-internet, yeah, yeah. Um, Pre-CDs as well. We started in, yeah, it was... It was pre-CD, so it was all still vinyl then. Yeah. And you were specialising in kind of rarities and collectible stuff yeah, rather than getting in whatever the new records were. We yeah we started off secondhand stuff. Um, we we yeah we did sell a few new records. There's a good story there actually. Um, but yeah, we 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 it was mainly secondhand when we started. 
Um, but we, we, we became quite friendly with a couple of guys who worked in music market. There was a small chain. And so yeah. we come into our little market stall and say, you know, have you got um, King of America by Elvis Costello? You go, oh, hang on a minute. And we'd run down. Just go and buy it. Yeah, yeah, you go buy, go buy one. <laughs> Charge him two quid extra. There you go, mate. <laughs> yeah. We'll pay you later in the pub. And we yeah. always get the pub together after after work on a Saturday. So, um, but yeah, we did. We we, we 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 let me think about this. We started selling new records because Sony. I think when Tunnel of Bruce, Tunnel of Love was about to come out. Sony were in dispute with our price records. Oh, really? So our price wouldn't stock Sony's. Uh Oh, right. And even though we were a very, very small haphazard, you know, opening an account with a big company like Sony was a a, a no-no in those days. I don't know. Uh, Unless you had a trading record and all this kind of stuff. But we phoned Sony and said, look, you, you know, we, we love Bruce Springsteen and Tunnel of Love's not going to be available in Cheltenham because there's only an R price and us. And so we opened an account and, and it, it went from there, really. And then um, we opened an account with all the indie labels. Uh, they all came through, a, they came through the cartel. Um, oh, right, of course. Of course. And... and, and so, so there we were. We had Tunnel of Love, and no one else had that in town. And we were, and the year it must have been before that. Actually, the year before, we were stocking um, all the stuff. I saw your interview with the guy who did the C eighty six. Oh, and oh yeah, nice nice castle. Castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that all that stuff we were selling the shop assistants and things like that, all the rough trade stuff. Right. Okay. So that was it. Was you were slowly growing a absolutely. clear, a, a regular clientele? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And how much has that clientele changed in the years since? Um, I mean, a lot of a lot of our clientele, certainly a lot of our clientele online and. Uh, mail order has, has grown with us really we're, we're selling we sell a lot of stuff to to people of my age and, and up you know our generation buying uh, revolver box sets again and, right. sets and you know that, that they're huge for huge sales for us um but you know kids are buying music again so it's 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 great we get you know, younger younger kids coming in buying buying albums. I keep calling them vinyl. Man. Everyone calls it vinyl, man. It's all yeah, I know it's wrong, yeah. isn't it? It really? is wrong. It's records for crying out. Yeah, yes, but you, from our point of view, you just get sucked into saying. Yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so you've when you started, you were doing vinyl, or you're doing mainly singles. Then you're doing some LPs. Yeah, and then and then presumably those were replaced by CDs. And there must have been a time when it was just pretty much all CD, was I'm, it? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so what, I'm, during the 90s kind of thing? That's... Yeah. The, the first CD we stocked, and it was so exciting, was um, Sergeant Pepper. Oh, really? Oh, right. It was advertised as it, as it was 20 years ago today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. CD 20 years after the album. And, and it, it came with a little booklet, and that, that was really exciting. I mean, yeah. We got yeah, it. we did that. It was the cover story of Q, I can remember. It was a really big deal, wasn't it? Yes. Yes, it was huge, yeah. So you presumably had to, you know, you had to reorganise your racks, you know, so that you could you could display CDs in them. That's have, right, you, yeah. have you had to refit the place, you yes, know, over the years? Yeah. Well, 
actually, yes, we did. I mean, we, we, when we opened this in this shop, um, it would have been all vinyl, all records on the... That's it, all records and cassettes where we flirted. Yes, there you go. Yes, I know, you forget. For a while. In, the, in, 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 in around that, the late 80s, they thought, you know, they're going to take over. I mean, you know, I was never a cassette fan. Well, they never took no, over with... They never took over with the kind of the snobs, basically. No. They never took over with people like you and me. You know? No. I mean, but, you... they, but they did with the, the mass audience because yeah. when I worked in a record shop you know, in the 70s, towards the end of the 70s, cassette was the leading medium. Yes. Because you wanted them for Walkmans, didn't you? That no, pre-Walkmans, pre-Walkmans. Pre-Walkmans, yeah. It, it was just convenience. You know, it was, um, it was people like my mother used to refer to music as cassettes right you know whether she was talking about records cds or whatever they were cassettes because as far as she was concerned that was the leading carrier and i think that applied to quite a lot of people actually wow and, but and... you know but it was cd during the 90s and then when did you start to notice the kind of resurgence of interest in vinyl how long ago was that right. we we had um this is a it's a shame I can't show you this building from outside because it's not a real. I'm not in a street of bad like I know you've been here. Yeah, yeah. It's not a street of shops. No, it's not. It's off the high street, and this is an old coach house, three story coach house. So Wonderful. it's not really designed to be a shop. But so we had two sales floors. So in the in the nineties, um, we had CD mainstream CDs down here on the ground floor, and upstairs we had a we we we, we kept going with records and because I employed a, a DJ and we sold a lot of dance music, you know, but so we, we were doing that for a long time. I, but at some point, I think when, when Curtis, who was ran that floor left, we just ran the, ran it all down, you know? Um, so in, at some point in the early noughties, we will have had, we will have been CD only. Right. Right. But then it switched. Then it started coming back again. Um, that that was a that was a period. I, I I do a lot. I mean, one of the things you were saying about how you keep a record shop going. Um, I do a lot of other things as well. We run trips to see Springsteen all over the world. So and take hundreds oh, amazing. of people on tour. So at that period, when he reformed the E Street, we were busy jetting around going to gigs all over the place. So I've, I've kind of lost track of time of what was happening when. Well, so you do kind of package tours to we are, Europe or whatever to see Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're at travel agency as well. We've got a couple that's of fantastic. Jump travel. So, yeah, uh, that's that was really exciting. Too. So to the two, two of the people you specialise in, Springsteen and, and, and Dylan, and are, right. are there any particular items from their catalogues? That are the really huge sellers that people always want to get hold of. They've got such hardcore fan bases, right? That a new Bruce album, yeah, everyone who wants it buys it instantly. Yeah, and then you can't you, you can't, can't give it away. You can't give it away. And same. No, for I'm sure that's really, interesting. You know, yeah, kids, kids definitely come in and buy. You know, they'll buy the classic albums. Yeah, they'll buy Born to Run and. Yeah, tracks. If we second hand, you know that, that they love picking up the classics. Yeah, so you do second hand. We started doing it again. Yeah, we didn't for years. Um, we stopped doing it when 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 everything went to CD. It just got you. 
second-hand CDs were were quite. Um, you get kids coming in trying to sell that are obviously knocked off collections. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was too much hassle, you know. I think yeah. I ended up buying. I think I ended up buying a collection off someone who was in a local ba- uh, uh, off someone, and then someone who was in a local band came and said, "That's mine. I know that's mine." And I had my and and of course you feel. Yeah. Sorry for the guy, so I gave him all this, and just thought this this is too much hassle. So we got cut completely out of the secondhand market. But um, a couple of years ago, a friend of mine was selling his collection, and I thought well, I'll sell it and split the money, and we started started again. I, I, I love that side of things; it's fun. So you must get the thing I've always noticed in, in, in with the vinyl resurgence is that uh, people are now you know paying fortunes for uh, for old old records that sat in bargain bins during the 90s for 50p and nobody wanted them. Absolutely. Yeah, incredible. I mean, um, I think when we... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option i never really was a salad guy that's just not who i am but noom worked for me get your personalized plan today at noom.com real noom user compensated to provide their story in four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When we started selling secondhand records again, the first one we sold was Sade, which is a classic example. I mean, you know, great yes. album and all that. Huge. Yeah. Huge, huge hit. Then nobody wanted it. Yeah. Then completely out of vogue, wasn't it? That's right. <laughs> and they put Couldn't it give out them away. And went the first day, you know, for a, for a tenner or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So... And, and, you know, I, I mean, how do you how, how does the record market work nowadays? Do you do you take any interest in what's in the charts, or do you think I've got to stock that? Everybody's talking about it, or or do you just not bother? You just know your clientele. I think I think the latter. I mean, I haven't a clue what's going on in the charts, to be honest. I mean, if I if I'm in a pop quiz, which in that you know, or <coughs> quiz, you know music questions my knowledge kind of my knowledge of the charts kind of ends as we started even right from 85 the charts to me were yeah 
So yeah. you're living in your own little world. Absolutely, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> but you have a recommended thing, don't you, on your online? I see you got yeah. Angel Olsen, I think it is, and Kate yeah, LeBond, and Danny and the Champions of the World at the moment. I think even Beyonce actually. So that's quite interesting. I mean, did does do your powers of persuasion have a real effect? If you recommend stuff, do you find that they definitely sell? Yes, I mean, I, I've got to say, I'm. I've spent most going back to my travel side things because Bruce Springsteen's back on tour or going on. Yeah, tour, yeah. I spent I spent most of this year working there, so I don't work in this shop. Every really? Day, yeah, right. I, I mean, there's six of us work here. There's so I've got six staff, and there's a girl called Julia who works here, and it's her. So I just let her have full reign over what. what right. I mean, obviously, I chip in and and. You know, yeah, I'd love to work in here every day, but I don't. That's that's one of the ironies of of being successful. Successful <laughs> businesses. I mean, I gave up working in an office to work in a record shop. Now I'm sat at an office at a computer all day, looking at spreadsheets of hotels, so, hotels in Stuttgart. So how many right. how many people will you have booking a kind of Springsteen tour through through Badlands? Um. At the well, we're taking about 120 people to see him in Rome. At the, at the church That's fantastic. And these these are UK people that you're taking to UK, Rome. Mainly UK people who will go abroad. I mean, we, we're keeping it. Obviously, the the uh, pandemic has affected travel massively. I mean, you know, it's it it scares me somewhat that it. Yeah. Uh, you know. Another variant be called off. off. Yeah, really yeah. Problematic because this tour was hours from being announced for 2022, and then it got pulled because of the the um, Omicron variant. It, it, they just decided not to do it, which was a good decision on their part. But the whole. So do you, do you just do one night things, or do you do you occasionally go and do Rome, and then you all get in a big old coach and go up to? We have done that, yeah. We fantastic. We, we when for for one of the um, for the rising tour, we knew Bruce was going to play Paris, and we had very good contacts with tickets in Paris. So we called it the Magical Mystery Tour, and you bought a, the pack. You booked a package which was Paris and wherever the next show is. Oh, really? That oh, amazing. Booking. And it happened to be in Barcelona, um, and we we got everyone on a train from Paris to Barcelona, and, and yeah, organised that. And I'm talking. Boy, that must be fun. It it is fun, but we've taken. I think the most we've taken is like 400 people to Paris. That's wow. a lot of my you know, lord. Somewhat, Do you, isn't that a lot of worry? I mean, it's an enormous amount of worry. It must be. I mean, do you, you do you get? You know, you must get some disgruntled customers, you know, not based on anything you've not provided, but I don't like it because Bruce didn't sing Thunder Road. Yeah, because he didn't play the song over the year. It's your Dedicated fault. to my girlfriend. <laughs> we, we did get a call for one of these Paris trips and someone found out, she, she said, I, I know this sounds a silly question, but will he sing in English or French? <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, we've had the odd thing go wrong, but you know, um, and and it is a worry. I guess the older I get, the and and because of what's happened, with, I'm more worried now about things going wrong than I I was 20 years ago. I never really thought about the the concept of things going wrong, but now 
of course you do. So I'm keeping it. I'm trying to keep it much smaller scale this year. I'm, I don't want. I don't want the worry of of. 400 people going to Paris. But, but I suppose the other thing you've seen change is that people just travel nowadays, don't they, to go to gigs in a way that they never used to do, do they? Absolutely, yeah. That's. I mean, we, we've always loved it. We, we, we've been doing that for years, which I guess is why we started starting the business, because it was just an extension of what we wanted to do, you know. Um, what, um, especially like like Bruce going to New Jersey, you know, it's like a yeah. great thing to do to go yeah. and see, see the boss on on his home turf. It's just fantastic fun. And then of course you do. We end up doing coach tours around Asbury Park and all. You you go and see all the sites, and that's that's just brilliant. Oh, that must be brilliant. Yeah. So do, do you do this with Bob Dylan? I've not. I've not. I, we do do trips to to Dylan shows, but that audience. I mean. Uh, we do, but it's on a much smaller scale. I'll be, you know, sort of 30 or 40 people maximum for a, for a Bob Dylan thing. Partly because I think that, well, Dylan's on tour relentlessly, right? Never ending. I think they, they, those guys are more used to just doing their own thing and organising their own tickets. Right, right. Whole, there's a whole, I know, there's a whole gang of them who go to every show. I mean, I've got friends who've been to... Over six hundred Bob Dylan shows. Go, go. You see, I think it's wrong. Yeah. I think people should just stop. You yeah. know, you know, because it, it's it's like stalking the poor man, isn't it? You know, <laughs> the guy goes out on stage and he looks out in the front row. He looks he, like he's exactly who's going to be there. Yeah. Well, Springsteen didn't Springsteen do for a while? He used to keep a whole load of seats in the front row and then well, they get someone to, to 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 give them yeah to people who were in, in right at the back or whatever, just promote That's right. them. Just yeah. say you've got that kind of enthusiasm and different yeah. people at the front. Yeah. And he's it's a lovely done a idea. Great, great thing where you, you get in the front pit, you have to queue up. You don't pay extra to get in the front. You, you, you queue up all day. So if you've got the dedication, you can get in. Same, similar sort of thing. So, but it also you. guarantees that a load of people who are genuinely excited are going to be there and really there. appreciate yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Not sitting there with their arms folded going, you know, you didn't play this. But, so. Um, who else do you do for trips? I mean, we 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 mainly do stuff we like and 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 stuff of that era that we've done. Um, McCartney, The Stones, uh, Brian Wilson, a few shows to Brian Wilson. If if I'm going at one stage, if I was going to a concert, I'd just buy extra tickets and and you know. What do you think about the ticket pricing well, issue? That's, this, this is another reason why that that business is so hard to so so much more stressful now um when we started it was sort of 50 pound for a concert ticket yeah pound for a hotel bed and 50 pound for our you know putting the package together and of course now you're looking at 300 pound for a concert ticket or, or yeah. the stones in hyde park this summer i think that the, the the sort of in front of the stage tickets were 380 pounds that's right eye-watering isn't it really it's it is particularly if you remember them playing in hyde park for nothing yeah <laughs> particularly <laughs> if it raining <laughs> yeah. whenever it was i mean do you think they'll ki these prices will continue going up i've kind of i've kind of i think uh, during covid and i i kind of got out of the habit i was a prodigious concert goer and i've i personally have got out of the habit and a few of friends have and it, it was like when concerts were getting cancelled. I was I had tickets for the Who at the Albert Hall at some stage. I, 
and I got £400 back. And you're thinking, was it re- do I really need to spend £200 for me and £200 for my girlfriend to see The Who again? Well, but there's, I read a piece the other day saying quite a lot of people are buying tickets and then at the last minute just decided not to go. They've just kind of, kind of lost their nerve or whatever. So yes. it really is affecting things, isn't it? Yeah, it has done. Yeah, it has done. Yeah. But, but you know, equally, you know, there's, there's this dynamic. I mean, we're talking, I think prices of hundreds of pounds is insane. But, you know, there's Springsteen tickets in America. We're, we're going for thousands of dollars. Yeah. What's it called? Dynamic pricing. Dynamic it? pricing. Yes. Terrible. I mean, yeah. Well, it, but it is kind of... It's sort of unavoidable, isn't it? Because you've got such a mass audience and you've got the means of all the mass audience buying and selling. Yes. So, you know, if you you think you can get $1,000 for your ticket, you'll get it, won't you? Yes. Well, it's technology working, isn't it, I guess? It is. Ticketmaster, they're pricing them up. Yeah. Demand and if people are out there, I mean, did I read that people were paying $40,000 for Adele tickets in Las Vegas? I mean... Well, the forty thousand. Well, the people in Las Vegas with mad money, you know, yeah, yeah. undoubtedly. But even on, on the local, more local you know, basis, talking to somebody last night who'd taken, uh, gone a husband and wife and two small children to see Mary Poppins in the West End of London, hundred pounds each. Yeah. For for like five year olds, you know, yeah. seeing Mary Poppins. They'd be perfectly happy going to see a production of the local Scout Hut, probably, yeah. for nothing at all, you know. But everybody's everybody's obsessed that they've got to go to these gigs, haven't they? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. But but that works in your favour, so. Well, no, well, no, it doesn't, because as I say, the kind of the the, the, the business model's gone because I've got to I've got to buy the tickets to think of reselling them and it's just you know there's so much money it's just too much god that is a huge investment isn't it if you're buying several hundred tickets yeah do you ever worry that you might not sell them yeah or that you know and these guys are getting older right you know the the worry that something's going to happen you know the the, the first we we had tickets for the stones of course if if um i think I think Mick got COVID, didn't he? On on yeah, he, did. he got something, yeah. And I'm thinking, God, if that was London, and I had the hotels booked and paid for, and you know, um, even though it's twenty people, but twenty people at four hundred pounds a ticket, it's a it's lot. Absolutely, it's too much. So yeah, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of looking at, you know, definitely downsizing that and getting back. Looking into, at coming back to the shop. <laughs> Yeah. You know where you stand there. Not a yeah. steady business, selling yeah, vinyl. <laughs> I do. I think it's time. To, I mean, I'm 60 next year. I've worked hard, and I think it's time to time to to, to retire and uh, from that side of it and, and concentrate on a few records again. You'll just be an eccentric old gentleman, still yeah. uh, still yeah. plying his trade in a record shop That's in a converted right. coach house That's just it. off Cheltenham That's High right. Street. Shiny faced youngsters will be queuing up for you to tell your old. <laughs> yeah. Folkloric tales. That's right. Well, I, I think it's. Records. I think it's remarkable that you've you know you've stayed in business. I mean, you know, when you look at what's happened to record shops generally speaking, you know. Yeah. Well, like yes, and I think the fact. Um, well, again, going back to the, how lucky we were to, to to call our shop Badlands and, and yeah, absolutely side of things and. Um, You've got to. I think we had to diversify and do other things. So we had that. You know, we we started our own travel agency. We, um, 
and we started listing things online. I think we were we were quite early to uh, mail order selling. In fact, right. in the back of yeah. magazine, in fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we used to list all the stuff there. That was that was great. Was great. Yeah. Very effective advertising medium, magazines. Yeah, much, yeah. <laughs> much undervalued in yeah. retrospect. It, it was one. It was. It was great. It was great. And the thing we could do then in those adverts, we just you'd you'd get wind of I don't know. Well, the best one is Neil Young's Archives Volume Two box set coming soon. So we we just list it, you know. This is this is what it used. To, this is what used to happen. I remember this. If you go back and look at the old Virgin ads, you know, from the seventies, they used to. Do you remember the the Jeff Beck Superstition? Stevie Wonder's Superstition was originally written for Jeff Beck, wasn't it? There's some, some story like this. Okay, and so he recorded some version. And so the story went around that Jeff Beck was making an album on Motown. And if you look and in very early Virgin mail order ads, it go, Jeff Beck, Motown LP, coming soon. And so, so consequently, you used to, for years, you used to get people coming in shops saying, Is it in yet? Is it in yet? <laughs> it's like, no, it's never going to I don't think it's going to happen. And they'd look at you like, guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. once you've planted an idea like that, you know, yeah. people can't resist it. Yeah, I love all that stuff. Yeah, that was fun. I mean, we used to, so so things that that was great fun. So we just hear that something was coming out, and, and and you just say, Phil, can you can you send me that when it's? And the good side of it was, if you if you trusted us, then you know, eventually months later, your record it would arrive. Would up. Yes, if thinking I'm expecting this in three days. <laughs> you know, no people were far more patient in those days, yeah. weren't they? Yeah, you had to be. Yeah, you simply had to be. And now it's it like everything else; it's instant. The the record companies now, you know, everything's embargoed. So I'll know yeah. about a new album, but I'm not allowed to mention it till I'm not allowed to put it on sale until two p.m. on Friday. The whatever, yes. and, and, and then everyone's putting it on sale at exactly the same time including the artists selling it direct to their fans, which that, 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 well, ultimately that's, will, will that be the final nail in the coffin of record shops? I, I hope, I like to hope not, but I, I don't like it. You know, I don't think Paul McCartney really needs to sell things direct to his fans. No, I don't, I don't think he does. I don't think he does. Cause that's the other thing. Is I there a price think. difference? Um, no, but they'll have a they'll have a special edition or whatever. A very a special edition. Yeah. Sometimes it won't affect people, but you know, it more and more so. It seems to be like the, the, the next Dylan bootleg series. You can buy. You can only buy the complete box set on vinyl, direct from them. <laughs> so, oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah. And this is this is all yeah. the stuff that years ago they said. This is never going to see the light of day. Yeah. This is this is spoiling the reputation of this artist by putting out unsanctioned material. Yeah. All this stuff. Absolutely. And then they tried it and thought, "My God, let's keep my God, this, away yeah. this is as often as possible. This is the yeah. money we can make." Yeah. I know. I know. Oh well, Phil, I'm I'm sure you'll still be there in many years' time. Don't worry. Uh, Badlands will. We will. Yes, we will. We love it. So if you if you're doing something you're passionate about, then keep going. So, do do you get musicians coming into the shop? You must get famous people dropping in. 
yeah, occasionally we get the, the, the people who are playing in town will come in and uh, I, I promote a few local gigs and so forth. Um, the best, I should have told you earlier, the best story about that is when little Stephen came to the shop. Last right. Week, which, is, um, which is amazing. He was, he was over-promoting his book. Um, and you guys know all about Cheltenham Literature Festival, right? Yeah, yeah. huge thing. Uh, Sunday Times pub published uh, promoted event. So, but when his book was coming out, I said I wrote to a friend who works with him. I said, surely Stephen should come and you know his book was coming out a few weeks before the literary festival. Get him on here, and then we could do something together with Badlands as well. You know, the Bruce Springsteen fan club side of things didn't happen. So when he was, he did come to the UK and he was, he did a few talks and he was at a, a bookshop in Bath and uh, the publicist, the publisher said, oh, we'd love to do something with Badlands, what can we do? And it was during the pandemic and uh, he didn't want to do a meet and greet. I said, well, maybe he could just come to Badlands, you know, come and visit us, sign a few extra books and I'll, I'll, I'll take him to see Brian Jones's grave. He's a huge Stones fan. And... Uh, Every... Which is nearby, as A.A. Milne's house, wasn't it? That's right, yeah. Yeah, he was, he was born in Cheltenham. So, um, uh, and every American band we ever put on, they do their sound check, because uh, I promote a few gigs locally. Uh, can we go and see Brian's, Brian Jones? <laughs> so I'll take, you know, take quite a few people up there. So anyway, St St little Stephen said yes to this. I was stunned. Only the day, the day it was due to happen. And... Uh, they phoned up, they were in Bath, they said, we'll try and make it work. Because he had to go back to an event in London. So uh, I got a phone call. Yeah, he's, he's on his way. Then I got another phone call. Can you arrange for him to have a COVID test? Because he's got a... I thought, I, I don't know. I, I, I envisaged walking down Cheltenham High Street with little Stephen in all his... Yeah. his yeah. Waiting, waiting in boots for a COVID test. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and as it happened, I could. You had to book appointments, and it was a Saturday, and you couldn't get an appointment. So no, it can't. Help. Oh, we're going to get a test in Bath. We might be late. And you, you know these things. With you, always think, well, they're going to try to come, but they won't. It won't happen. And it did. He came. He turned up. He came to the shop, which was great. It was lovely with everyone, Steve. And he was great. And I wasn't allowed to tell anyone, so the shop was empty, like today. Right. But it was a bit bizarre. It was a kind of, you know, a book signing with no one there. No one there. Apart from me and the staff. And we had a good chat, and he looked around, and, and, and he was really fun. Nice, n nice. Uh, and he took it. He said, well, we want to go for lunch, so take him to lunch. And we went up to lunch somewhere at Montpellier near the literary... So the literary festival's on. Yeah. So Stephen's car drives him up to lunch and he sees all these tents everywhere and what... And we sat down for... He said, what's going on over there? I said, oh, it's Cheltenham Literature Festival. <laughs> Why aren't I there? <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> no. So I, I think the publishers got a bit, a bit, got it in the neck a bit. I bet they did. I'm sure they did. So, so how, how big, how many copies of a book like Stephen's, Stephen's book will you sell? Well, we got we got signed copies. So we yeah, uh, over 500 copies we sold. Wow, hardback copies. That is absolutely huge. That's a you're a you're a big deal in the book trade. So, yeah. 
I hope so. Well, that's that. You know, um, I mean, and, and and when a Springsteen or Dylan album comes out, we we sell a lot. You know. So the Springsteen book, the Springsteen autobiography. How many copies of that did you sell? I would say, I mean, that's five or six years ago. Double that, over a thousand copies. I think that's enormous. <laughs> that's <laughs> enormous. It really is. You will be. I venture to suggest, and I know you're doing it mail order, so it's slightly different. That will be the biggest single sale in the UK for that for that book. Really? Wow. I, I'm guessing. I I'm so. guessing. Yeah. I, I would know, have thought so. I mean, unless he turns up and does a major signing in Waterstones and Piccadilly, which he might have done. I don't know. He did, actually, he did, yes. He did. <laughs> but that's the only way that you'll get more than yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> incredible. That's Staggering numbers. Well, there you go. So, listen, the way we normally finish these these chats is we ask people to tell us the greatest record ever made. The greatest record ever made. And, and there you are. You're surrounded by them. The uh, what what would you pick? There is no wrong that? answer. Yeah, there what would no you wrong pick? Answer. There's lots of answers. Um, well, yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. Just pick one. Pick one. Mine would have to be um, the only ones, Another Girl, Another Planet. Oh, oh really? fantastic. A wonderful record. Yeah. Have you got a copy of that there? That great I, guitar I, I solo. Have, I have upstairs on my desk, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Copy here. oh, well. It's an amazing record. Play it really play is. And, and it's maybe slightly more... I mean, it was it was a non-hit hit, wasn't it? It's, yeah. yeah. Everyone, lots of people have heard, but lots of people haven't. So It was a turntable hit, as we Turntable hit, and an immaculate solo, the way it just builds, doesn't it? Superb. From right down the bottom to those wonderful high notes. It's just yeah. superb. Yeah. Well, look, nice talking to you, and thanks very much for coming in and opening the shop on oh, a Sunday morning. Fun. Really good fun. And... Uh, and long may you run, in the words of Crosby, Stills, Nash. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.